Section 10 of Idomen or the Vale of Umori by Maria Gowan Brooks. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Confessions, Part 6 That winter, which I tremble to recall at this moment of vivid recollection, that winter allowed one day of happiness, which memory will always retain, and fly to the picture she has made of it, when the present is dull or languid. All the pain of that winter, which to think of, oh my friend makes me shudder even in thy presence and while breathing the perfume of these flowers the pain of that winter and of my life was perhaps too small a price for the happiness of such a day thus exclaimed dalcour doth nature evince her kindness the mind where she reigns casts aside the remembrance of pain and treasures every moment of pleasure to look upon with joy through the varying path of futurity Idomen could forget months and even years of suffering to dwell upon the memory of one day and the color that now mantled on her cheek almost pale before she spoke arose from the excitement of that long past day of satisfaction i wished to prolong the sentiment so pleasing though indefinite and was fain not to suffer my friend to revert immediately to scenes that i knew must follow I presented to the now smiling Idomen an orange brought by Benito on a piece of fresh plantain leaf. The faithful boy had peeled it with his ebony fingers, kept always pliant and unsoiled for the light labors he loved, and opened it without spilling a drop of nectarious juice at its own delicate divisions. Idomen swallowed it in complacency, but said, My friend, do not fear to exhaust me. The scenes I soon shall describe were indeed terrible while passing, but to speak of them now, amid flowers and fruits presented to me by the hand of friendship, I feel to be almost a pleasure. So the mariner, while seated on the deck of a new skiff on a calm sea, rosy with twilight, reverts to the horrors of a wreck escaped only one voyage before. I know not yet the will of heaven, but whatever fate may be marked out for me, the past at least is certain and mine i would not give the scenes past with ethelwald with all their pain of more than many deaths for a whole long life of calm happiness this again said dalcour is nature and yet i knew it well to be but a passing hyperbole the overflow of excessive excitement which gushed in this speech from the lips of her who had suffered had the choice been offered, Idomen would have been found obedient to duty and to reason. When a few brief moments were passed, I again desired Madame Burley to proceed in sincerity with her story, but her lips were still moist with the fragrant gift I had presented. She retired to the court a moment, and rinsed habitually the delicious sweetness of the orange from the well-kept ivory of her mouth. No care was ever spared by Idomen to preserve from a decay so common among the fragile beauties of the new world such gifts as should always be guarded because they are received from heaven. But when this moment had been given to the angel of health, she sat down again by my side, remained a little while silent, and thus continued her story. In beings formed to taste it keenly, the desire of happiness is strong happiness in its utmost excess had been but lately in my view had my own hand broken the cup which heaven itself had presented 
I asked myself this, and conceived, for the first time in my life, of the torments ascribed to those wretched souls in perdition, who have been shown for a moment the delights of paradise, to be told that their own sins have shut them forever from the scene. Alas! with such a consciousness, what need of the fires of matter, or the scorching of external arteries? In the midst of such reflections as these came a card from the manor-house. A large ball was to be given, and Ethelwald, I knew, would be invited. But one month before, with what pleasure could I have adorned myself to meet him at such a festivity? But now! The thought was a stab to my heart. Annihilation, even, would at that moment have been preferable. Ethelwald, I thought, would be there, and gay thoughtless persons might come also, on purpose to look in curiosity, on one to whom the present favourite of the world around him had devoted whole days and even weeks. To meet such persons would require my utmost health and firmness. How, then, pained and altered as I was, could I sustain the glances of scrutiny? I feared to meet the gaze of the multitude, yet one look of kindness from him I had offended would have been to me like the dew-cup of the deserts of Florida, to the slave dying of thirst, yet fugitive, and fearing to return to the well or fountain of his master. Footnote. This flower, in the form of a cup, and containing a draught of pure dew, was said by early writers to be found in the stagnant marshes of Florida. A note to the same effect has already been given in this work. End of note. The night of the ball arrived and the cold increased to an intensity which, mingled with the heat of stoves, pained every vein and artery on the surface of my sensitive skin. The pain of my heart was still keener, but a faint gleam of hope was like the sun of approaching spring. A young relative of my host had come to N-T for the ball, and learned with unfeigned regret that I was too ill to go. Her name was Elmir, she, I knew, would speak of me to Ethelwald, and the next day, oh, heaven, might bless me with an interview. A dress of pale blue was chosen by this gentle girl. Azure, celestial azure, was the favorite color of him who reigned in my thoughts. With an impulse accompanying my natural love of beauty, I assisted at her toilet, and helped to arrange her fair locks, so as best to comport with the style and color of her face, neck, and garments. When all was finished, her hair, countenance, and vestments were so complete in the harmony of tints as to waken in me, when I looked at her, despite of the pain at my heart, a feeling almost delightful. I felt as it were a spirit too sad to enter paradise who comes weeping to fold the robes of some messenger to that smiling region. The reputation for loveliness is generally obtained by some circumstance. Often after hearing the praises of a belle of some town or village, a stranger while beholding her among her companions is heard to ask, which is the beauty? With the gentle Elmire it was otherwise. She had never been vaunted. Few travellers go searching for violets or lilies of the valley, when roses and magnolias are flaunting in their fragrance around them. Yet violets and lilies, were they near at hand, would often be chosen in preference. When Elmira was complimented, she blushed, turned aside, and spoke of the beauty of her mother. 
that mother soon came to n t to take back elmira to her home in her youth she had lived at a remote township in the midst of canadian forests and her mortal form though entirely neglected remained still as little impaired as nature unassisted by mortal skill could in any climate have preserved it the happy peasants of her neighborhood had named her in their simplicity l'ange des bois her beauty except that of ethelwald was the most perfect i ever had seen both have lived and will probably cease to live in some one of the groves or cities of the country without other poets than the savage archers of the forest when such forms of beauty come on earth perhaps ere they fade or change some model is made of them for heaven or perhaps they come to show for a moment some glimpse of what in heaven is eternal when forms shall take the cast of divinity and every lovely particle that seemed lost and scattered upon earth shall be called and united to its own to smile and to bloom forever when elmire was gone i felt weak and retired to my couch there though i slept not the night was less painful than those which had lately preceded it for a glimmer of hope was in view as i looked forward to the morning ethelwald was to be at the ball could he leave n t without seeing that friend to visit whom he had so lately crossed the ladawana in storms at four o'clock the young visitor returned i heard some of the family arise to admit her but feared to call and ask her questions when the soul has suffered much it clings to the faintest hope even as the infant whose mouth is sore clasps with his little transparent hand the smooth coral and silver bells and shrinks from the food presented it seems better to embrace an illusion than to hazard by certainty the renewal of ineffable pain with the first a little rest was possible the last would have banished repose entirely from my pillow in the morning ere breakfast was ready elmire came to my bedside she told me that ethelwald had danced little and spoken with her often through the evening that he expressed sorrow at not seeing me as he expected the more as a party of friends had engaged him to cross the river as soon as the company should separate to proceed with them at that early hour upon the frozen st lawrence to quebec besides this intelligence a note soon arrived from my beloved which evidently had been penned during the late festivity of tenderness it was full like the letters i still preserved but the hurry of the scene and the influence of mirthful companions were also both perceived in its contents hope now fled and the light again was misery elmire wished me to return with her and with her mother to their residence at trois rivieres at any other time i should have shrunk from the cold but change of place is often desirable to the wretched i saw my little arvon and prepared on the second day after the ball to accompany the mild elmire with her father and her mother to their abode eight english miles we had proceeded over the country when our carriole descended to the ice of the ladauana which seemed like a pavement of crystal the whole snowy landscape was magnificent but to look at it long could be done only at the peril of death or mutilation Footnote during the intense cold of canada 
it is not uncommon for careless travellers to freeze dangerously their ears and faces End of note. the quicksilver of the thermometer stood at a point which it reaches but in few parts of europe the same degrees of latitude in the new world are well known to be far colder than in those eastern regions long inhabited by civilized man in the frozen ladauana there are always open chasms through these as is said by the peasants the great river breathes how superb was its breath on that day our carriole drawn by a little thick-haired canadian horse seemed but as a speck in the snowy immensity around us one english mile we had rode upon its frozen waves and another mile was yet to be passed i held over my mouth my closely furred hood and only made bare my eyes to look at the scene before me at the breath of the vast river through those deep chasms or mouths through which breathed the ladauana arose clouds of vapor mounting to the sky assuming the form of phantoms mingling light and shade and sparkling in the cold beams of the distant sun of winter i thought of the depths whence arose those brilliant vapors and an idea darted through my soul could i throw myself into the midst of these shining particles the warm wave beneath would receive me and how soon could i be safe from all the disappointments of the world attended as i was I could not stir from the carriole. Had escape at that moment been possible, the thought would have been obeyed, perhaps as suddenly as conceived. It could not be, yet my mind from that moment became possessed with a design which heaven alone has frustrated. After two or three hours we ascended the bank of the river and soon reached the dwelling of Madame C-L in a street of Trois-Rivières. The rest of the family appeared and welcomed, with embraces, Elmire and their parents. Blanche de Bois was living in one of those low-roofed abodes of her country, which display all the charms of hospitality. The table was already spread. Canada, with its still few inhabitants, is a country of ease and of plenty. Soup was followed by venison and birds of the forest, kept frozen in snow since the autumn wild nuts wild fruits preserved in the sugar of the maple and the beautiful apples of montreal kept always bright and unfrozen and fair as the fruit of the fabled hesperides composed the dessert while pieces of ancient plate told the families of europe from which my kind hostess and her children had descended footnote no apples in the world are more beautiful than those of montreal the sunny side of the mountain near that city is favorable for gardens the inhabitants have a sort of passion for its culture and fruits are abundant around it End of note. madame c l spoke freely herself of her uncommon personal perfections but took no pains either to display or to embellish them untinctured either with vanity or ambition she confided in the love of her husband and thought only of him her children and her household yet her face was still of fair colors while nothing could exceed its outline her hair was still shining her light brown eyes softly bright her lips full and red and her hands though much used white and taper 
the dwelling where Ethelwald was born could be seen from her window. She had known his mother and brethren, and spoke of them all in terms of love and admiration. I have said that the friend whose absence made me miserable was the last who survived of his family. Madame C-L spoke of the favor he had lately obtained in the sight of the governor of the province, and said it was surprising that one like Ethelwald had already remained so long contented in the place of his nativity. The verses, oh, my early and constant friend, which drew from you so much concern for my happiness when I showed them to you at P-D, were given anonymously to a journal of the day, and when printed, with the permission of my husband, were sent still anonymously to Ethelwald. His soft eyes had read them. His musical voice had pronounced them. His kind heart had suspected whence they came, and his white hands, after five years had passed, unfolded and showed them to me again one delicious evening at N-T. Five years he had remained contented near the roof of his childhood, and sometimes read in secret a few verses, the only proof of regard from a woman whom he had then known but a week. Why did he preserve them? What scenes have since transpired? Why had our late meetings been permitted by heaven? This I unconsciously asked of my soul, now so deeply troubled. I heard and rejoiced at his honors, but when I thought of myself, my whole being, as it were, seemed shivering within me, and the design I had formed while crossing the ice of the Ladawana absorbed every inward thought with renewed intensity. Yet dark as was all within me, I responded to the courtesy of my fair hostess and her beloved. I listened to their artless songs of the country, and sang them others in return, though with a voice that in my own ear was hollow, and with a feeling entirely indescribable. By many an early struggle I had learned the art of seeming cheerful to those around me, while my heart in secret was desolate or suffering. Thus, sometimes, on a sod of Florida, are seen pale flowers and verdure, while the hollow darkness beneath it is tenanted by a serpent and her progeny. Early the next day, the father of Elmer conducted me back to N-T. The cold had a little diminished, but the breath of the Ladauana still mounted in columns to the skies, and its waters covered with snow resembled rocks of crystal heaped with feathers of the ptarmigan. I thought of my design of yesterday, and wished that its current was flowing. N-T, which had lately seemed beautiful, N-T with its dark gray seminary and glittering spires, with its grove of pines and river, broad, my friend, as the sin of thy country, though but small as a tributary of the St. Lawrence. N-T with its happy little dwelling, where I had passed the sweetest moments of my life, seemed now the dearest place for my tomb and I longed to lay me down in the bosom of a land that seemed to me as a foster-mother. I deemed that the world could to me be no longer as before. Yet even for years ere this period, vague hopes for the future were sometimes all that made it endurable. My desire now was for death. But what would become of my boy, of my fair little Arvon, already too much an orphan? Would not suicide also be guilt? 
to me it had never seemed a crime. Still there was a doubt. I pondered long in secret, and went through long trains of reasoning. Arguments whispered perhaps by some evil spirit arose in favor of my purpose. Men of ancient times, men who thought much, men who lived nearer than we, to the time of the creation, believed that at least two genii attended the steps of every mortal. The adorable bearer of the cross said nothing to disprove this belief. He, even, was tempted, and prayed to be delivered from temptation. Idomen was weak and overwhelmed. The power that preserved her was not mortal. O oh, father of spirits, desert me not again for I know I live only by thy protection. I trembled, said Dalcour, as I looked intently on the blooming fair-haired woman by my side. Her face was covered with her hands. Of those which are called the stormy passions, her heart was entirely destitute. Anger, hatred, and revenge endanger the peace of others but far more dangerous to the possessor is an excess of these feelings which are good only when governed by reason or by heaven idomen soon recovered her composure and said i have promised o oh, my friend to tell thee all i conceal not a thought or a sentiment thy regard would possess no charm for me if obtained by falsehood or deceit see me then as i am Behold that Idomen, whom heaven has preserved, and esteem her still, if thou wilt. Without fault there is said to be no human being. Happy, then, is she who is still esteemed, when all her faults are made apparent. Proceed, I said, in thy story, as thou hast begun. My esteem, Idomen, is already thine. Truth for me is enough. I do not ask perfection. While the tongue is unsoiled with falsehood, there is little corruption at the heart. Yet dreadful, said Idomen, were the hours that I would depict to thee. I soon resolved fully on death. My imagination heavily employed itself in devising means to execute a deed that might free me at once from the world and all its evils. Yet great as was at this time my suffering, its endurance even seemed preferable to the shock that might be felt by my boy. Yet my Arvon had now become acquainted with those around him. He spoke French a little, and was contented. Seeing my drooping state, he desired me with his own lips that I loved to go to Quebec, stay till I was better, and then return to him again. His innocent wishes determined me. I wrote to Henry Arlington that my health required a change of scene, and a young relation was immediately sent to escort me. I parted with my child, as I thought, for the last time on earth. My sleepless nights had continued. After once more crossing the frozen Lada Uana, and while stopping at Trois-Rivières, I desired my young attendant to procure for me a vial of laudanum to be used at discretion. The black potion was obtained and carefully secured in my portmanteau. End of section 10